Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Anya Morozov, and I am joined by Rada Vellamuri. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone, both in and outside the field of public health. Today, we're talking with Corey Dion Lewis, who is a clinical health coach for a federally qualified health center. He also happens to be a podcaster himself. He hosts the Healthy Project podcast, which addresses topics related to health equity, prevention, diversity, and literacy for health professionals addressing today's and tomorrow's biggest challenges. It's really worth a listen if you get a chance. We'll link it in the description of today's episode. Today, he's here to talk with us about his work as a health coach, his podcast journey, and the conference he is organizing in November called My City, My Health. Welcome to the show, Corey. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. So to get started, we mentioned in the intro addressing today's and tomorrow's biggest health challenges in health equity, literacy, and diversity. Can you tell us what some of these challenges are? Ooh, so um, I'll try to keep it short because there are there are a lot of challenges um, right now. So when we're, when we're looking at you know equity, um, health literacy, diversity, things of that nature. One of some of the, the biggest challenges are, you know, conf confidence. You know, when we're looking, we're thinking about the from the patient perspective. So, so there, so there, trust within the system. That's kind of where it starts. So, if patients are already going into their healthcare not trusting, you know, their their provider or not trusting the system that they're going to get appropriate care. Um, that kind of just like a, it's just a negative snowball effect. So I feel like one of the biggest challenges right now um, with when in, re in regards to social determinants, which a lot of this kind of starts when we're talking about disparities and equity, um, transportation, housing, these are really big, big issues, really big problems that we're not going to solve overnight, but it's, it's a big deal now. And if we're looking at you know, the, the future. So we're looking at health literacy, things like that in the future, we got to think about digital health literacy. And as you know, a lot of these healthcare, there's a lot of healthcare startups and a lot of healthcare companies that are looking more digital. Well, what about the, the patient population? Do they understand digital health as, as well? So we got to really be thinking about that as, as a challenge now too, from the patient perspective, where, where healthcare is going. That kind of makes me think about like patient portals. Like when I go to the doctor's office, there are these, you know, online patient portals I'm supposed to log into to like check health messages and stuff like that. So I get, I, you always hear people talk about the electronic health record from the physician front, but you bring up a really good point about from the patient perspective with like, like I said, like patient portals and stuff like that. You mentioned a lot of challenges. Is there one that you think is, probably on the forefront that we should address, like the greatest challenge? I'm sure they're, they're all very important, but is there one that you think maybe we could like address in the near future or one that you think is of the utmost importance? Yeah. So, and, and the reason why this is top of mind, because it, it has came up in, in multiple podcast episodes and it's, and it's diversity in clinical trials. So that has been something that has, is, I mean, I've talked, I spoke about it in, Three, I think three different episodes. So I, and I'll, I'll kind of talk about why that's that's important. 
So just based on, so off of example, I had an episode with a company called Indigenous Health, where they focus on research in, you know, black and brown populations, things like that. And they, he brought up, the, the founder brought up a great example of this, this drug Plavix. So Plavix is for um, high blood pressure. So it's supposed to help with that. Well, what happened is the enzyme in Plavix that makes the drug effective that enzyme is not present in people of Asian and Pacific Islander descent. So when those people from Hawaii who were taking that medication for blood pressure, they were getting heart, they were dying. They were, they were still getting heart attacks. So there was obviously a study done to discover what was going on. And they, and they found out that these people from this descent did not have this enzyme. But the issue was when Plavix did their clinical trial and it got FDA approval, there wasn't a lot of diversity requirements on there. So they missed that. Ultimately, Hawaii got a 800, I want to say $840 million. They, they sued and, got, and they, they got paid, but ultimately people died because the, the clinical trials were not done appropriately. So that's a, that's a big issue. And I also did another episode with a, a diabetic researcher who said the same thing. You know, it's hard to get a diverse population in these clinical trials when, especially when you're making these medications that are supposed to help populations, you're not getting a broad range of people. So it's, and it's going back to that social determinants of health that I kind of talked about earlier, where there may be a, a study for, you know, X drug or X whatever, but if you don't have transportation, you can't get a way to get to this trial because a lot of these places aren't coming to where the people are. Well, the majority of those people that are affected are black and brown people who don't have transportation. So the majority are going to be those of, you know, one descent. Well, it's not, that's not very balanced. You're not getting everyone. So clinical trials is, it's going to be, if I were to pick one thing, that's going to be a challenge that can really improve the health of populations. It's going to be getting a majority or a more diverse population in these clinical trial studies to, that will help everybody in the long run. This is a huge challenge. I, I'm a woman of color myself. It's really important to see diversity in clinical trials, but I was wondering if you know how we could improve that, if you have any ideas as to how we can increase participation within these clinical trials by you know, these more diverse populations. Yeah. I mean, and I think for me, it's going to where they are, right? If, if you have, a, if you have a clinical trial study and it's for a diabetic CGM or, or some diabetic tool or device or uh, medication, and you know that the people that you want to um, target can't come to you, well, come to them, you know, and what we're learning in, in healthcare in general is community collaboration is super important. So organizing or um, coming together and partnering with community-based organizations that are in the community where you can say, hey, let's work together to help the people of this inner city community. Can we set up here X amount of days a week so we can get that data, right? And because we know that, we already know that transportation is an issue and they can't come to us or People work paycheck to paycheck. Not everybody can just leave work and go do a clinical trial or they can't 
you know, they can't do a lot of these these things financially because it doesn't work out. Well, what does that look like as far as um, reimbursement or payment for these people? I know a lot of these trials do pay their participants, and that is a good, great motivator for a lot of people. So increasing that payment, you know, what does it hurt you? A lot of these companies that are doing these trials, a lot of these pharmaceutical companies, I don't think they're hurting for money. You know, so they can and and they need the they need that data from the people. So assist them with that, you, you know, and so there if there's if there's one thing we can do, it's going back to what I said is going to where the people are. And, and that's what that's what I believe. Yeah, I think that's really um, a good point. And like not the first challenge I would have thought of, but you've really illustrated like why having diversity in clinical trials is like impacts people's lives. And yeah, I think your point about community partnership is is super important too and going to where people are. Yeah. And, and, and one more point too on just that kind of goes with the clinical trials um, as we're, I mean, I just thought about this as, you know, you asked me about, you know, my mission as far as uh, health now and in the future, we really got to look at digital health trials as well. So to give you a, another example, um, so I had another podcast guest <laughs> and we were talking about ethics and digital health. And she brought up a great example of a, start, a digital health startup that focused on cancer prevention or, or detecting skin cancer. They trained this algorithm to detect skin cancer, right? Well, they trained it to detect skin cancer in um, a different skin complexion or, or white complexion, but they were selling it in South America where skin complexion is darker. And, you know, when you're, when you're looking at skin cancer, skin cancer looks different depending on the type, the skin color, right? That's no good. You can't, you can't, you can't train an algorithm, you know, on one thing and then sell it to a, to another complexion. So we really got to be looking at, okay, how, how do we start to train these algorithms, which is, it's hard to, to wrap my mind around, but how do we, how do we start to get more diverse populations into these clinical trials for digital health uh, platforms as well? So when you're training this algorithm, they can detect the care for, for all different types of, of populations. Yeah, that's so true. I think like the more I've learned about like health equity, the more you find that there's inequities that need to be addressed in almost everything. <laughs> so kind of moving on to your own path and your own journey, can you describe your path to becoming a health coach, including what exactly a health coach is? Because I was not familiar with them until I found your podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, it's kind of an um, interesting story. So I got my degree at the University of Iowa. At the time I got my degree, so I was a psychology major and I wanted to go into clinical therapy. So I was a, I was a research assistant for the spatial perception and memory lab on, on campus. And through that process, I realized this is not for me. And it's funny, I say I hated research, but because now I, I read a lot of research now for what, for what I do. But at the time, I'm like, man, this ain't it. Like, I, I couldn't I couldn't wrap my mind around it because I like to speak to people. I like to you know interact. And during being an RA. I was just like in an office, like looking, it was just, it just wasn't my vibe. I've always been very in tune with uh, my health. 
considering a lot of, you know, a lot of my family have struggled with chronic disease, you know, my whole life. I like to tell people that um, I grew up with cr thinking chronic disease was just normal because everybody in my family struggled with diabetes or high blood pressure. So it was just something that, hey, my grandma took medications for her her sugars that's what she called my grandma was from the south so her sugar was high so she took medication so i'm like all right i didn't think that was a big deal as i got older i realized that is a big deal you know so i've always very in tune with you know and, and mindful of my genetics and my and you know my background and trying to stay healthy so i took a i took a health course at the university of iowa with uh, professor michael teague shout out to uh, dr teague and i was in his office i was like this the psychology thing ain't for me I like it, but I don't love it. Like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, have you considered health coaching? And like you, I was like, what is that? Like, I've never, I've never heard of it. Um, and he kind of explained it to me in, um, this was back 2007, 2007. And um, he explained it where it's like, hey, you get to talk about health and talk with people. So it was, it was a mixture of counseling and talking about wellness. And I was like, I'm in. Like, I just, I was like, it just sounded and maybe he was just hyping it up for me because the program had just got to University of Iowa. So it really wasn't even a program. Now the department is the human health and physiology department. But back when I was there, it wasn't even a department. So I got my degree in interdepartmental studies with a specialization in health coaching. So I was doing motivational interviewing in one department. I was doing this in another department. You know, I was just kind of all over the place on, on campus. And what, what health coaching is, it, it really is helping people um, stay accountable to their, to their goals and giving them those behavior change strategies that allow them to be uh, sustainable. That, 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 that's all I do in, in the nutshell, right? I just, I speak with people who have, who want to ch make a change in their life, a health, a health change. And I just talked them through it and I make it easy for them to, I give them strategies and it is really a lot of behavior change structure and practice. And it's really kind of helping them go from, I can't change to maybe I can change to I'm going to change to I've changed, right? It's just helping them through that process and utilizing a lot of motivational interviewing, positive psychology to get them to where they need to be. So you started as a health coach and then yes. you decided to make your own podcast or did it sort of just, <laughs> yeah, I just want to know like where the podcast happened too. Yeah. Let, 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 let's get there. So, so that was it. So university of Iowa health coach degree, boom. Right. So at the time, health coaches really were only in corporate wellness spaces. So out of college, I worked at um, a nonprofit here in Des Moines called uh, Orchard Place, where I was a treatment counselor for a few years, which was a great experience for me. Then I got my first job two years later as a health coach for a corporate wellness company called Healthways. There um, is where, you know, I, I've worked with employees from all over the country to help them, you know, lose weight. You know, I got ex I got extra training in. Um, from Johns Hopkins in the science of weight loss and behavior change. I, we worked on the, this, the first weight loss, online weight loss program called the Energy Healthier Weight Program that was um, based off of this Johns Hopkins research trial called the Power Study. So they just took that Power Study and turned it into a weight loss program. And I worked on that at Healthways. 
And then after my corporate wellness kind of stint, I got into a clinical setting at, at Broadlawns Medical Center here in Des Moines, which is the federally qualified health center, uh, which has been a great experience. So I've been doing this for, I've been here for five years, but where the podcast came for the past four years now, I always said, you know, having a podcast just be cool, will be cool. I had started getting into podcasts and I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have one. And I just never, I just never pulled the trigger on it. I was like, it'd be cool, but I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know what I'm going to say. And, you know, I was really insecure about it. And everyone's like, Corey, you, you, you have a great radio voice. You just do it. And I'm like, thanks for calling me ugly, but like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You'll be like, okay, I get it. Then the pandemic came. So at Broadlawns, I see patients one-on-one and we do what's called um, shared medical visits. So the patient will come in, they'll see me first for like 10 to 15 minutes and we'll go over some health education, ask them about their medications, you know, all that stuff. And then they'll see their provider. Uh, I do that and I do, like I said, one-on-one where I see patients. So when the pandemic was kind of first poking its, you know, poking its head out, I get an email from my, from my uh, supervisor saying, Hey, Corey, cancel your patients for this week. We don't know what's going on. Get another email. Hey, cancel your patients next week as well. Then it was like, Hey, just cancel all your patients. Like until we know what's going on. So I wasn't seeing anybody for months. So through that time, I was like, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I wasn't seeing patients. I was kind of helping throughout the hospital with like screening patients coming in. But I was like, okay, I've had this idea of starting a podcast. What better time than now where I'm not doing anything and I, I can kind of focus on it. So I was talking to another friend of mine. He's a health coach in New York. And I was saying, hey, man, I'm kind of toying around starting this podcast, like for real this time. And he's like, well, hey, if you need a first guest, let me know. Let's do it. And I'm like, all right, I'll let you know. And he was like, okay, when? So he was kind of holding me accountable to it. Like, okay, when are we doing it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's do it Monday. You know, so I'm like, well, shoot. So now I got a date and I got a time. I didn't have a name. I didn't have a mic, you know, nothing like that. But I, like, I got to do it now. So I went and got a mic, figured out a, you know, a catchy name, which was not the healthy project at the time. The name was Smart Talk which is for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and right on time health and wellness conversations. But whenever I would tell people that I have a podcast and it was smart talk, they assumed that I was, it was a finance podcast talking about money. Yeah. So whenever I was, they, they would look at me and go, but you're a health coach. Why are you talking about money? I'm like, I'm not talking about money, smart, smart goals, smart talk. Like, like I, I had to like explain it too much. And I'm like, okay, let me just change the name up. So I changed it to the healthy project, which fits a whole lot better with what, what my mission is and what my, my goal is with this whole thing now. So it's worked out really, really well. Had that first episode, May 4th, 2020, been rocking ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think we can probably relate to a lot of what you're saying about not really like knowing what it's like to do a podcast, but then like once you start, it turns out to not be quite as intimidating so definitely like if anybody out there is thinking about it, like just go for it. Just try it out. Podcasters aren't ugly. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all beautiful. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's like, don't tell me I have a voice for radio. We all know what that means, right? <laughs> you know, but but to, to your point, Anya, it's it was easy. 
like it, I wouldn't say it was, it was just having a conversation. What made it easy for me was a lot of my first guests, like the first five to 10, I knew already, like we, we were friends or we were connected on LinkedIn or something, or we had, we had some kind of connection. I didn't really plan those episodes. It was just like, Hey, come on, let's just talk about a topic or something and let's just keep it moving. And if you go back to listen to those very first episodes, I didn't edit anything. Um, it was very raw. They're all the ums and ahs in the world are on those episodes. It's really hard to listen to large, long breaks in, in people speaking, but it was fun. And I think that really helped me continue as I started getting more guests and started reaching out to people I didn't know and then having to really structure questions. And once I start taking it seriously, having those first, getting those first out the way really, really helped build that confidence. Yeah. Let's move on to another thing that you're doing that seems like it started from the ground up and is really cool. Your conference upcoming in November. Uh, what is My City, My Health all about? Yes. So My City, My Health came up because now that I'm looking at the Healthy Project as more than just a podcast, we are a health education and media company. My question was, okay, what's, what's next? I have the podcast that's doing really, really well, ranked 182 in the U.S. in the medicine category. I've had great guests and it's, it's going on really, really well. But what is what's next after this? And I was speaking to a friend of mine, shout out to Larry Twitty, who's, who's a great friend of mine here in Des Moines. And he was like, bro, <laughs> you need a healthy project conference. And it was something that I had kind of thought about was that next step already. So I was already super excited that he said that because I was kind of thinking about a conference, but I just didn't want to do a conference to do a conference. It had to mean something to me. And so I sat on that for a while. And then I started thinking about a situation I had at Broadlands and it kind of just hit for me. So let me give you, let me tell you the story. So I had, like I said, I see patients one-on-one -on -one for uh, chronic care or lifestyle management, chronic care, chronic disease management. And I was seeing a patient um, who was seeing me for, she was pre-diabetic and we were just, you know, doing some planning, some goal setting, kind of talking about nutrition. So she, her next, her next A1C check was in three months. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, she was staying healthy and she didn't make, she didn't go into that next phase, which was diabetes. And this was right around the time, this was where the pandemic was still strong, but it was loose enough to where I was able to see patients here and there back again. And she was in my office and she was, usually she's very engaged, but I can just kind of tell something was off. Like she wasn't engaged. You can tell she just didn't really want to be there. And I just, after our session, I was like, so, so tell me how, how's the, how's the week been for you? And she just kind of like, you know, my, my husband lost his job. I don't know how we're going to pay rent next month. So there is this resource that I use. Anybody listening, you guys definitely look it up. It's called um, findhelp.org. So you go, to, I went to this website, findhelp.org, and you put in your zip code, and it gives you all of the resources in your area where you can, you can get assistance. So we'd be typed in the zip code and we found a nonprofit that helped people with a rent relief. 
and gave her that information and she was able to get some relief from that and it was great she was so thankful and it worked out for her she got some relief her husband got back on his feet got some work and then you can just kind of tell now she was able to focus on her health right because like how are you going to focus on your health when you don't know how you're going to make rent or pay for food for your family you know so from that experience i realized man health is more than just me telling you to eat healthier the community-based organizations do so much work to help the people in their communities um, stay healthy that it was only right to to continue to do that you know and stay on that path on um implementing more community-based resources into what i do so from that, I was like, you know what? Health is a community effort. And what I mean by that is, yes, I, I have a piece of that. You guys have a piece of that. But there's also, you know, these people that we serve that they're like, yes, Corey, I know I need to make, get healthier groceries, but I only get $50 a month in food stamp assistance, right? So they utilize these food pantries and things like that. If those food pantries weren't there or these community-based organizations weren't there to help with um, grocery relief or to help here or to help there, we'd be in some trouble, right? So when I came up with the idea for My City, My Health, it was, okay, the people in Des Moines are getting not only their health needs from the hospitals, but they're getting them from these community-based organizations as well. So how about we come together and talk about that and how we're helping the people in these communities, right? And how we're collaborating with community-based organizations. So that's where the idea came from. So it started as, let's just have a conversation about collaboration with community-based organizations in healthcare. Now we're talking about racism in healthcare prevention, um, mental wellness, like it, it became this huge thing. <laughs> and, and I, which I'm super grateful for. And I'm super, I'm super excited about because yeah, it's, it starts with, um, it, st it started with that idea of collaboration, but as we all know, um, there's a, there's a lot to this. And the, the idea of this conference is not, yes, there's going to be a lot of public health professionals, um, healthcare professionals, but there's also going to be people from the community there who, because there's no point in having a conversation about improving the care of the people. If the people we're talking about aren't there listening to these conversations, right. And being able to go up to the chief medical officer of Broadlands medical center and say, this was my experience. Like that is valuable to the healthcare or community. Like to hear from in a safe place, say, hey, this was my experience. And you can take that back and, and improve your practice or improve how you do things or improve your department and say, hey, there, these are these changes we can make because somebody said something in a safe space. And because as we know, or as you guys probably know as well, people in black and brown communities are scared to death to go to the hospital. And they are dying because they won't go to the hospital. 
you, you know what I mean? Because they're not getting those services. So if somebody can go to this conference and say, my experience at X hospital was this, and that person can say, hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. These are the things that we're doing to build that trust back, how we, we talked about earlier, to build that trust back into the uh, healthcare system, because it's not, it's not the community's uh, problem. Healthcare made that problem. So it's healthcare's responsibility to build that trust back up, to get people to come back who need this, the, the assistance the most. So, um, sorry, I went on a rant, <laughs> but, but like, I'm just, I'm super excited. And these, these are super, these are very meaningful and very necessary conversations. We're going to have at this conference. We're already organizing the, my city, my health, Iowa city conference. We're going to have one in Iowa city, um, in 2023. Yeah. Some of the same topics, um, and some of some other things we're, we're, um, we're going through that now. Shout out to Aaron Litton. She's a professor there at Iowa. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, we have great speakers. We're going to have great discussions from the community-based organizations, healthcare. It's just going to be a vibe. And it's, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a vibe. That's all I can say. No, that's amazing. I I'm from Des Moines, uh, but I live in Iowa city. So I kind of, I guess, get the best of both worlds on that front. I can maybe take a peek at both conferences, but um, I just think it's amazing that you know, you're valuing this communication between health provider and the people who are getting the health care so much because I, I've just, you know, if there's one thing I've learned being a public health student is that not a lot of communication is actually happening. It's, it needs to just be more efficient. It needs to be more, um, like some populations just don't get communication. Yeah. And, um, that, that's a, that's a very, that's a very good point. That's, that's a very good point. And, and to kind of go with that, when I had, a, I, I call, I had called a patient who for preventative services and was telling them, Hey, you're, you're due for your, your colonoscopy. This was a, a black gentleman older, like I think he was 65 and older. Right. And he was like, no, I'm okay. I, I feel, I feel healthy now. You know, if I go to the hospital, I'm probably going to, something's going to happen no one communicated to him why this was important. They just said, he has got a letter saying, hey, you're due for your colonoscopy. Well, that's not, a, that's not enough. People need to be ed- educated, but in a, in a um, respectful way. And sometimes if you don't do that, it's almost too late. Like they, they have it in their mind. This is going to happen to me because of what's of past experience. Um, and things of that nature, but being able to communicate that, like, hey, this is why we do this. This is why it's important. Um, and just having that conversation. But at, at the same time, a lot of providers, I'll give them this, they are busy and maybe they don't, they don't have a lot of time to really put that in there. That's why care teams are a big thing now. And that's why, that's why I'm at Broadlawns. So I can, I can put in that 20 minute, 30 minute session with somebody to really explain to them and communicate why these things are important. Yeah. So what has like the process of actually like getting the conference off the ground been like? So um, knock on wood, it's been really, really smooth. So I, (laughs) I think the reason why it's gone really well is because it's a necessary conversation at the right time 
Um, the conference is going to be held at uh, Mainframe Studios here in Des Moines. Um, I don't know. Do you know Mainframe Studios? Have you heard of it? I think I've heard of it, but I haven't gone to anything there. Yeah. So it's like it's a, it's a nonprofit organization for artists. So like a, lot, a lot of artists have um, spaces there. Uh, it's a really cool building. And they they're in the they're in the, the community where I'm tra- where I serve. It's a really cool building. And so when I when I approached them about the idea I wanted to have and to have it here, they were like, done. We'll hold the spot for you. You don't got to pay us a deposit. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then because of my my ties to Broad Lawns and what I do within the community, everybody that I told about the idea was like, we want to be a part of it because they they feel, they know this is a, a needed conversation and it's a different conversation considering what conferences or events you've been to in the area, right? A lot of the conferences um, that I've gone to is it's in a hotel room, which, you know, are in a hotel conference room, no shade to that, but it's just, you know, it's just a provider or a doctor, somebody talking about the problem in the community. And then they leave and like, there's just a bunch of nurses and people just there talking, nothing really, there's no real conversation. Uh, but the difference with this conference and the fact that we're having three or four panels talking about the issue, but also the solutions with people from the community and other health professionals, it's just a different vibe. And people are like, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun and I'm going to learn something, right? And we're going to get some, we're going to talk about solutions. So I think it's just, it's just really good timing, you know, you know for this and people have been super on board with, you know, wanting to be a part of the, of the solution. I want to go back to your website. Your conference has a website. So if anyone um, who's listening wants more information about this conference, um, we'll put the link to the website in the description. Um, But the first thing you see is the phrase health is a community effort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just I know we've talked a lot about community health, but is there anything you could summarize just with that sentence, like the most important takeaways you want our listeners to have? Yes. So when the the term health as a community effort is the same as, you know, have you heard the the term, um, it takes a village to raise a child type of thing? If that's kind of the vibe I'm going for. Research tells us that I forgot the percentage, but you don't get all of your health care and prevention from the hospital. Everything happens outside of that. So logic tells me that everything you do outside of the, the hospital is going to affect your health a whole lot more, right? So what, what are you doing at home? How are, we, how are we helping the people in their community? And that's what I mean by it takes a community effort, because going back to that story from my patient, if it wasn't for, I couldn't have helped her with her, her pre-diabetes diagnosis or helping her improve her health if she was still stressed out about making rent. And I can't, I can't pay her rent for her. I can't help her with that. It took a community-based organization to say, hey, we have these funds. This is what we do. Let me help you with that. Okay, now she's not stressed. Okay, we got that taken care of. Now she can focus on the meal in front of her or I got to make sure I get my walk today, right? Um, that's what I mean by health as a community effort. 
Like it takes, it takes all of us. It takes multiple community-based organizations. It takes health coaches. It takes your provider. It takes public health professionals to say, this is what we see as a whole. This is where the gaps are. These are where the concerns are. It takes, it takes us all to help make everyone healthy. It's not one person. It's not just your doctor. It's just not your health coach. You know, it's, it's everyone to, to make this, to make this thing called health for, you know, health for all, like good health for all a reality. Very well put. So we're going to wrap up with a question we try to ask all of our guests, and I'm really excited to hear what you say. Um, what is one thing you thought you knew, but were later wrong about? Okay. So <laughs> I've been thinking a whole lot about this question because <laughs> a whole lot I thought I knew, you know? <laughs> um, so specific to health or just like in general? It's wherever you want to take it. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of the song. It was a song by, oh my God, by Michael Jackson. You know, it's one of those things where your whole life, you just mumble through the words. And then I was like, let me Google what these actual saying. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, and I can't, it's just, it's just, it was just uncomfortable for me. Like, oh my God, my whole life. And I thought I was saying it right. (laughs) And I was so wrong and I can't think of it. So I won't go with that one. Cause I was like, man, what was that song? So I'm not going to go there. But if there was one thing that I was wrong about, so this is this is this is kind of funny, but kind of weird. Um, I have I have a sister. Her name's Brittany. Um, from from my dad's side, and my whole life I thought she was my cousin, but in fact she was my sister on my dad's side. And I just found out like three years ago. So, <laughs> so that was I was like hey my cousin you know my cousin Brittany added me on Facebook my mom's like that's not your cousin that's your sister and I go come against what <laughs> like, yeah so I have a new sister shout out to Brittany <laughs> well I think that's that's the first time we're gonna hear that one on the show <laughs> Yeah. After putting you on the spot like that. Um, great job. Uh, (laughs) well, we can wrap up now. I mean, I want to thank you for coming on to from the front row. Uh, if, you know, if any of our listeners want to hear more from Corey, uh, his podcast, something we all encourage you to check out. And, you know, while you're looking up his podcast, check out his conference, you know, it's all on a website that we'll link down there. His, conference if you're in the des moines area we encourage you to check it out it, i think it'll be a wonderful event and it will be virtual it's just the, the link for the virtual has not been has not gone on yet but it will be a, a hybrid conference so it'll be virtual and in person yeah that's amazing so it's accessible to anyone and everyone anywhere. absolutely yeah and i'm super excited i did not know you were planning an iowa city one but i'm definitely going to check that out yeah it kind of just it kind of just happened like i got an email and I've been really, I've, I've been really close with the human health and physiology department over the past couple of years, just being on panels and talking about, you know, health coaching. And then I get an email from Aaron, like, I got an idea. How about we bring it to Iowa City? And I'm like, that's cool. I already wanted to have the conversation. The, the goal is to have the conversation in every city in the country, because 
we could be talking about racism in healthcare in, in in Iowa, but that conversation, though the topic may be the same, will be different in Kansas City, or the, the it'll be different in Minnesota or, or wherever, you know, Omaha. So um, it, we have we could talk about the same things, but the conversations and the solutions are going to be different no matter where you're at. So that's always been the the idea for my city, my health, to have it in different cities. So when she brought the idea of Iowa City, I was like, oh, I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for it. So, so yeah, we're, we're going to be doing it. That's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Corey Dion Lewis for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted and written by Rada Villamurri and Anya Morozov, edited by Rada Villamurri and produced by Anya Morozov. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have an idea for the show? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.